When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Witcher Lorecast, where we take a look into the vast universe of the Witcher, such as the games, books, shows, and so much more. Welcome back, Witchers, to another episode of the Witcher Lorecast. I am one of your hosts, Ben of Tamaria, and always with me is my other host, Toasty. How are you doing? I'm doing good for yes. the second time. Yes, yeah, we <laughs> we uh, had a interesting way of also recording, but not recording part of this mm-hmm. episode. So here's take two. <laughs> but yeah, where are we going today for the last bestiary of October? Uh, we're going to talk about the crones, the ladies of the wood. Oh boy, everybody's favorite three romanceable characters, right? Imagine if you could. <laughs> no. <laughs> imagine that's, if you could. That's, I don't want to imagine. Like, imagine the power you could have, right? I, sure. We'll, we'll go with that and have uh, the listeners imagine that in their head. Have fun. Yep. Imagine. <laughs> Be very vivid in your mind descriptions. Oh God! Uh, see, they're not going to want to, but now no, they're, they're not going to want to. They're going to un- unconsciously do it because I've told them to do it. So that, and you know, we'll, we know we're going to get Jen's going to comment on this. I, I, I can already guarantee that. I think I. The funny thing is, right, is like with how much as much time I've spent with Jen, I found out that I think I'm more of a degenerate than Jen, and more willing to do certain things than Jen is. So. Uh, she may even have a cutoff point on this where I'm being like a fucking freak, but it's fine. Okay, uh, moving on. We are it's talking Monster <laughs> Fucker Month. Ben, what do you want from me? <laughs> there we go. There you have it, everyone. <laughs> that's what it is. That's what October is. It's Monster Fucker Month. That's a way to get the way to get the podcast labeled explicit within like a minute and a half of recording. Hey, you <laughs> you you said it. <laughs> That's fine. That's it's fine. I've noticed that most of ours are anyway, so it doesn't really matter. It's a fair point. <laughs> Do you want to give the update about the statue again? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, there is a five hundred dollar statue of the crones that was just announced today as we are recording this on the twenty fourth. So if you want to go and buy a five hundred five hundred dollar statue of the crones, buy it your peril because it's it's detailed. That's all I will say. I'm pretty sure I haven't seen it, but I'm assuming that it's going to be like the standard crone form and not the crone forms with titties. So no, it's the standard ones with the monstrous looking no the beehive and everything. Yeah. But anyways, let's get into this bestiary entry as is how we start all of our bestiary episodes. Uh, sister crones hand in hand terrors of the sea and land thus do go about about thrice to thine and thrice to mine and thrice again to make up nine from 
the play Macbeth with a V, Act 1, Scene 3. Which is the Witcher's version of the Macbeth. Yeah, pretty much. But, you know, now like I, wanna, I said... I want to know, who wrote Macbeth? Was it Dandelion? No, they actually... I think there was a name. Oh, man, you're going to make me look it up right now. <laughs> because I remember that there was a name with it uh, that... And I think it was I think it was in the trivia notes specifically. Okay. Best theory mentions the presumed play Macbeth, which makes the affiliation okay, never mind. It doesn't actually say. No, oh, well Darn. someone made it. Yep. I was about to I thought it said it, but I guess not. If we find out later, we'll let y'all know. But it's probably not Dandelion. No, <laughs> he, he he's not that creative. <laughs> Damn roast well i mean look at all his ballads they're all literally about Geralt and yennefer's life i mean and his self fair enough yeah but anyways uh the isolated corners of our world harbor creatures older than humans older than academies and mages older even than elves and dwarves the crones of crookback bog are such creatures no one knows their true names, nor what breed of monstrosity they in fact are. Common folk have given these three sisters the names Weaves, Bruess, and Wispus, and call the threesome the Ladies of the Wood, or simply the Good Ladies. The crones act as the true sovereigns of Velen, whose inhabitants they help survive through harsh times in return for unquestioning obedience, such as cutting off your ear and presenting it to them. Yeah not fun they wield powerful magic but one different from that of mages they draw power from water and earth and are bound to the land in which they live the crones can hear everything that happens in their woods predict the future twist the threads of human lives and bring blessings as well as curses the crones seem for all intents and purposes to be immortal magic elixirs keep them from aging and allow them to take the appearance of young women these elixirs and their mystical ties to the swamps in which they live also give them supernatural strength and vitality. Actually, I have a question here. So they take magic elixir elixirs to keep them from aging, but yet we can't tell how old they are nor how old they are or young. We also don't ever see their true forms anyways. That's also true. Because like... Yes, they present themselves, but like they're all like wearing things. I don't think they actually look like sackcloth and beehives or whatever the hell it is. Right. So, well, I guess we kind of do. We see a little bit of um, is it, is it Wispess? We see her face a little bit, right? So, mm -hmm. which doesn't exactly look like a young person's face, anyways. No, but I guess it could be worse. So, okay, nah, whatever. Uh, they are of the class Relict. Uh, they occur in Velen, in both Crookback Bog and later Bald Mountain. They are susceptible to Relict Oil and Quinn. And you can loot Black Magic Doll, Calcium Equum, Crystallized Essence, Grave Hag's Ear, Infused Dust, Infused Shard, Lesser Glyphs, Le Lesser Runestones, Powdered Pearl, and Wolfsbane. 
And this all comes from Weavis because that is the only one Geralt himself can actually kill. Because it's Weavis that's the one we can see. Yeah, we Yes, it's Weavis that's the one we okay. can see. Because that's um the beehive one. West mm-hmm. Best is the one with like the cloth over her face. Okay. She has the veil and yeah. Bruis is the one with the like cage. Cage okay. slash uh straw head thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um but yeah, because Geralt's Geralt can only kill Weavis, and that's the only way you kill Weavis is if you get the bad ending. Yeah, so, or for some people, their preferred ending, because I think Mormon Milkman said that on a patron chat, and it was like, wild, but all right. No, no. No. The crones, also called the Ladies of the Wood, are three witches who live in a cabin in the swamps of Belen. Legend suggests the three are sisters and the daughters of the original Lady of the Wood, also known as She Who Knows. Most of the time, they communicate through an enchanted tapestry and a medium, an elderly woman named Gran, who also seems to be their slave, or at least is bound to them in some way. The crone is also the third aspect of the goddess Melitola. I just want to like rewind like a, a small bit, right? They be- legend suggests that they are the daughters of the original lady of the wood. Mm-hmm. They're like how scary they are. You have to imagine how, how scary the mother was. Yes. Which right. to be fair, I think part of this legend here specifically is actually a nod to act like actual mythology mm-hmm. um, with like the three fates because there are some mythologies where the three fates are misconstrued. Like the numbers aren't lined up. Like most often you hear three, but sometimes there's nine, like how Macbeth says, Mm -hmm. Um, or sometimes they're misconstrued as three when it's just a single entity being perceived multiple times or has multiple aspects. So, which we'll get more into when we get into the actual mythology, which I think that's what that's supposed to be like a reference to, which is kind of cool. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, So um, as for, because they play a pretty solid role. They aren't just your standard monster in The Witcher. They have a pretty prominent role in the story. That they do. uh, They found Ciri, who had been teleported into their bog, and took her to their cabin. They realized she possessed elder blood. The crones argued whether to devour Ciri, but decided they would simply eat a limb before handing her over to the general of the wild hunt, Imlura. Ciri overheard them and fled. Later, they charged Geralt with getting rid of an old enemy of theirs at the Whispering Hillock. Now, here's the thing. Do you... So, what... what... I normally kill the spirit, because that's typically the better ending for the Baron. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've done both. Um, yeah. And if you don't kill the spirit, I really feel bad for um, Anna. Anna is her name. Yeah. Yeah, because 
it doesn't end well. So I typically free the spirit. Oh, that's um, what it is. It freeing or is killing would is the one that like saves Anna. Okay, that's the one yeah. I do. I typically free the spirit um, because when it comes down to it, uh, yes, there's a lot of casualties that come out of it. Um, Anna is, a, in my opinion, Anna is the only one that I consider an unfortunate casualty uh, because the village dies. Oh, that's true. The village has sworn their loyalty to this to the crones, mm-hmm. um, which is like very misconstrued and like i don't i don't feel bad for them because like the crones are evil and they swore and granted they may not be seeing the full aspect but it becomes a matter of like a village or children right i completely forget that if you free the spirit the kids go free and but anna becomes a but if you kill the spirit Mm -hmm. anna goes free but the crones eat the children Right. So it's kind of like becomes a decision um, there. And so I typically free the the spirit because it's also like it is very much, I think, in my mind, a Geralt decision that he would make, like freeing the spirit because he's easily like regardless of the dude and how much we love him, he's easily manipulated. Oh, really? Left and right. (laughs) So like the whispering hillock being like, hey, yo, like I'll do this thing don't like nothing bad will happen he'd, fu- he'd fully believe that just because he's he's just that guy and like he knows that the crones are fucking bad news so like yeah if he's gonna and it Geralt favors children like he's like he's gonna save the children over other people generally speaking so fair points yeah so it's an unfortunate thing but like again it's the witcher and a lot of the times when you make a decision you're gonna have bad sides to either decision regardless so yeah now, my normal now i'm debate because i have i'm about to get to this point in my playthrough of the witcher 3 and it's a it's now one of the, it's kind of like yeah I, I would say it's like one of the hardest decisions early like, i think it's up the, there for like in, in the, like the entire game because all the other ones are kind of like straightforward to easy to like at least major decision wise to go with one or the other because you're going to like depending on the outcome most of the outcomes are good both have pros and cons regardless yeah but not like I, the pros and cons of this where it's like hey you either save one person or you save like six kids yeah and like uh the other casualty of course being the baron because his story does not end well if mm-hmm. anna turns to a hag but he's a piece of shit human who probably doesn't deserve to live anyways so uh <laughs> He's an abusive father. Yeah, I know, but he does try to have a redemption. Yeah, but like, just because you try to have a redemption doesn't always make up for the things you did. Oh, absolutely. He wouldn't need a redemption if he didn't do this that way to start. They really do. The game does do a good job manipulating you to try to make you like him, but like, you just have to like think about the fact that it's like, no, this dude's horrible. He's like really awful. So, that's fair. But anyways, that tangent over. Uh, the alderman of Downwarren, a servant of the crones, cut off his ear and gave it to Geralt as payment that the witches desired. This was a common payment as tribute to the crones as they used the ears as a way to monitor the woods. 
It's fucking so creepy. Yeah, and they wear them. Yeah, yeah. Are they don't they string them up in the trees too that allow yeah. them, allows them to hear from? It's crazy. When Geralt returned to the bog, he placed the ear upon the stone, and the crones came to him in person. Regardless of whether Geralt frees or kills the spirit, they tell him of their encounter with Ciri. Geralt can return with the Baron and his daughter to retrieve Anna, but if the Whispering Hillock was freed, the crones punish Anna by turning her into a water hag because she allowed the children to escape. They send monsters, including a fiend, to attack those trespassing on their land. And this is your first experience, like, with a fiend. Like, well, it, it, if you're going it's, with the level... It does, I don't think it has to be, but, like... No, but if you follow... Don't this, you fight a fiend on the way? No. This no? is the okay. first fiend that you would encounter. Now, unless you try to do the cow uh, selling um, yeah, tactic, the... you, you would encounter a fiend then... It's an unkillable th- fiend, but typically this mm. would be your first fiend if, if you're starting fresh from a new game. Mm. Fair enough. Later, when Geralt and Ciri return to Bald Mountain to kill Imlareth, they split up and Ciri battles the crones. She found that the three witches had taken on a more attractive form. The male volunteers found themselves a victim to the crone's deception, and the remains can be seen boiled in a stew created by Bruis. The crones are alerted to Ciri and transform into their original forms. Ciri managed to kill two of the crones and Bruis and with that. The Bruis and the Wispus. The Weavis, however, managed to escape, snatching Vesemir's medallion from Ciri as she fled. If Ciri dies at the final battle, Geralt hunts down the Weavis. Looking to retrieve the medallion she stole from Ciri, he finds her in the cabin in Crookback Bog, where she summons monsters to fight with her. He kills her and retrieves the medallion, but the monsters of the bog converge on him, despite the death of the final crow. Yeah. But headcanon-wise, regardless what ending you get, I would imagine Geralt and Ciri would hunt down Weavis regardless. Specifically, Siri, like she will, I would imagine she would hunt down Weavis specifically just to get Vesemir's wolf medallion. I can't remember if we if I said this last week or the week before because I think we talked about this, but I think if if she's if it she takes the Witcher route, yeah, then I think so, yeah, yeah. And if she took like if she's the Empress route, I would imagine Geralt would have done something. Probably to go get the medallion back. Specifically for her still, regardless. Yeah. That's cool. Um, Yeah, they, uh, out of all the monsters, you know, they're typically next to the, I mean, are the Wild Hunt considered monsters tomato? It's hit or miss because depending on what you consider what's with the bestiary, but... I don't think my episode on the Wild Hunt was a best. It might have been. You might. I think you had bestiary entries in it, but they're not like monsters. Yeah, they're more like a force or like characters. Yeah. So. Um. But with you know with the crones, they're 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 monsters, and they're like the ones that have actual story implications. Next to like the Wild Hunt, essentially. Yeah. So, and of course, they work with them a little bit. So, mm-hmm. 
it's obviously bad. They're the only ones. I mean, they have they actually have a creature type that's not like humanoid as well. Right. So because you know the wild hunt are just nl. Yeah. So. Yeah. There you go. Um, but at this point, we are going to take a short mid break and be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Very well. Let us get this over with. Something has infested my vineyard. Mm-hmm. Great. Let me go prepare my something oil then. All right. Welcome to the mid-break of the show where we talk about everything with the podcast that has nothing to do with the lore of The Witcher. And at this point, I want to thank all of our patrons that are supporting us, especially our higher vampire, Jared M., who gets a shout out uh, every episode. And if you want to become a patron, you can go to patreon.com slash Witcher Lorecast and you can sign up for ad, get uh, tiers to get ad free episodes or even join us once a month on the show. Specifically next week is our patron chat, which our patrons get to decide something that we get to talk about. And, you know, being October, it's probably going to be doing something with monsters knowing knowing how octobers go yep so and just patriot patron chats in general go that's a, that's also fair too uh and then you can also support the show by leaving uh reviews on apple and spotify if you leave a five-star review on apple we'll read out loud the next time of the show as well as a comment on a spotify episode uh as long as there's some nice words we'll read out that out loud on the show as well uh we don't have any this week so there's that and then um you can also find us on a few different discord servers we're on the robots radio discord at robotsradio.net as well as my discord server the ben and friends podcasting discord for this show and the other shows that i host uh and fun fact here uh, i went to my local renaissance this past weekend and you know i'm my i'm in my original witcher character that i have that my namesake is and I posted it on Facebook, right? And someone said, oh, you look like Lambert. I mean, that's not the look I was going for. And I don't know if I should take this as a compliment or like, or I should be offended. Because <laughs> Lambert. I mean, Lambert's he's memorable. Cool. He, yeah, well, yeah, he's memorable, all right? And just exactly... How I know Geralt's poem of him. Lambert, Lambert, what a prick. He didn't say you look like. He didn't say you were like. So, you know. Yeah, no, I look like. I wasn't like Lambert. Because Lambert is one. Um. <laughs> I'm looking at this picture and the I can kind of see it now. <sighs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, there you have it. And if you want to see that picture, it is on the Discord on both those servers. So go check that out. Uh, I do a lot of cosplay for my original Witcher at Renaissance Fair. So it's fun. Um, but I think that's all I have for the mid break. 
was good for me too. Cool. Let's get into real world mythology. You smell of death and destiny, heroics and heartbreak. It's onion. Right, yeah. Alright, so I promised it last week. So we're gonna do it this week and talk about Baba Yaga. Baba Yaga. Baba Yaga, because the crones are heavily inspired by Baba Yaga. So let's get into it, because there's a lot. So Baba Yaga is a witch or ogress from Slavic folklore who lives in a magical hut in the forest and either helps, imprisons, or eats people, usually children. She is among the most famous figures from Slavic folklore as the guardian of the fountains of the waters of life and is sometimes seen as embodying female empowerment and independence, which makes a lot of sense for how bad her perception is. Yep. Uh, her name is often understood to mean grandmother witch, though this is challenged and there's no universal agreement on the meaning of Yaga. She is first mentioned in a book on Russian grammar in 1755, but is thought to have existed in the oral tradition of Slavic folktales much earlier. Although she is usually the villain of any piece she appears in, she can also offer assistance and is understood as more of a trickster character who encourages transformation than the stock figure of an evil witch. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Baba Yaga is probably best known from the story of Vasilisa the Beautiful, in which she inadvertently frees the heroine from the tyranny of her stepmother and stepsisters, but also figures in other famous tales such as The Frog Princess and Baba Yaga and the Kind-Hearted Girl, in which she is cast in a similar role. A number of her tales follow the paradigm... <clears throat> of the Cinderella story where she plays the part of the fairy godmother, but with a decidedly sinister twist. What? I mean, like that, that makes sense, right? Like. Interesting. It does. I mean, it does. I mean, and this is obviously not like the Disney Cinderella. This is like the brothers Grimm Cinderella. Yeah. I which I mean, that, I don't know. Does Brothers Grimm have Do they? I'm I not an expert in the Brothers Grimm. I don't know. Maybe. But like, regardless, yeah, modern depictions, we see more like happy fairy tales or whatever. But like Brothers Grimm and like older, the older version of these fairy tales were decidedly much darker. A lot like a lot more bad things going on in them. Um, so like, but it also kind of, it. I mean, when you think about the the witcher in general like how many stories do we have that are like like based on fairy tales with right. like dark twists in them or whatever like novellan so is just beauty and the beast but like evil <laughs> so so or, the brother grimms didn't have a cinderella but they had a story titled um at the ashen poodle or the little ash girl, which then became Cinderella later in English translations. Okay, well there you go. Um, this is, seems like a very like uh, similar 
story, Vasily so the Beautiful. Or we can go off the Cinderella story in the Witcher universe where Cinderella uh, is at a pond at a castle and then a Zoogle eats her whole and leaves one slipper behind. That's true. I mean, like Witcher is just <laughs> soaking in dark fairy tales. So it's just, it does work just very nicely. But as she lives outside the norms of society and always by her own rules, she has come to embody the concept of feminine power and emancipation in the modern age. Books, films, and television shows reference her today in this role, and although she retains her menacing character, she is increasingly seen as a source of wisdom and power rather than a personification of evil. Which I think is really cool. Yeah. Granted, in The Witcher, they did make her evil. That, yeah, that's that wasn't Bobby. True. That wasn't technically Bobby Yaga, but it was Bobby Yaga. Okay, she had chicken like hut. It was Bobby Yaga. Yep. Um, but moving on to her uh, depiction and name possibilities, because there's a lot of name possibilities, which I think is hilarious. But Bobby Yaga is depicted as an enormous, ugly old woman who lives in a hut built on four tall chicken legs that can turn about or relocate on command. She is often seen draped over her stove or reclining in the hut across the entire expanse with her large nose touching the ceiling. When she leaves her house, she rides in a mortal mortar propelled by a pestle with one hand while in the other, she holds a broom she uses to wipe away any trace of her tracks. <laughs> yep. What? I yep. mean, the chicken leg hat thing. I mean, if you go. That's and, iconic. I that's, mean, that's iconic. Well, and go just go watch Witcher season two. You'll see that. Mm-hmm. The, so. the, the season we don't like talking about, but you see it. Yeah. So like, but I didn't. The mortar, mortar and pestle thing was like new. I was like, damn, that's a wild. It's it's fun though. I mean, these fairy tales have. Some, I mean, that some just sounds like a mount that you would have in a video game. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> a position to replace Roach with a mortar and pestle. No I'm kidding. <laughs> no, not really. No, no. Uh, I don't, but he would have a mortar and pestle like on Roach. In the saddlebags. True, he would. That he would. But, anyways, uh, she usually leaves her hut in the morning, returning in the evening, and commands a flock of black geese that circle the skies looking for children. In the story, Baba Yaga's black geese, two disobedient children, Olga and Sergei, sneak out of their house while their mother is at the market. After she has warned them not to go out while the geese are flying, and Sergei is snatched up and brought back to Baba Yaga's hut for her dinner. Olga is able to save her brother through the use of magical items, and the two learn their lesson about not listening to their mother. So another kind of representation, I think, what Hansel and Gretel? Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and also with this, geese are evil in general. <laughs> and making, like black feathered geese is also just like that's bad luck like a black hat this is a sound yeah no i live in the midwest like we have geese and they bite and it's not fun they have teeth yeah uh 
in this story, as in many others, Baba Yaga is a powerful witch who feeds on children. But according to various scholars, there are a num number of possibilities of her origins. Some believe that she could have originally been a Slavic goddess and Earth Mother. So similar to like Gaia from like Greek mythology, like the Earth Mother. Uh, according to others, there are many similarities between Baba Yaga and an early goddess of death known as, um, and I apologize if I fucked this up, but Yagya Baba? Or maybe Yagya Baba? I don't know. That's good enough. Uh, such as the fact that she is depicted as having two daughters or two sisters. Don, which don, I thought was don. very interesting right there. <laughs> so, uh, where that, that comes into play there. Uh, other scholars believe she was initially the personification of nature, which can be cruel or kind in turns, or as a storm cloud or storm. While others have claimed she personifies a plow which breaks the earth to enable the planting, fertilization, and growth of crops. So maybe like Demeter from Greek mythology, I guess. Um, and speaking of, more still cite that she could have been the Slavic version of the goddess Persephone. Which I think is interesting. Or that she was brought into being by the devil. Which makes me wonder if, like, the Lady of the Wood, like, the original one or whatever, like, because we know that Gontaro Dim is, like, the devil, did he... Did he have a wife that then these are... Oh. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, see, that's what made me think. I was, like, brought into being by the devil, if he's the devil, and then, like... Because, I mean, we see that, like, representation all the time, like mythology and whatnot where like mm -hmm. different aspects of things like i mean what was it the earth and sky like in greek mythology i think uranus the 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 sky and then gaia the earth or whatever bred and made like the titans and then mm -hmm. but like then there's situations where gaia uh slept with other beings like gaia slept with poseidon and then the cyclops are made and stuff like that so it's just like a matter of like Gantar Odim goes around like breeding with certain types of like beings or whatever and other things are coming into being because of it kind of thing like who knows that's terrifying it is terrifying but I had to I had to think about it um but obviously with all these none of the none of these uh possibilities are universally agreed upon now uh scholar Andreas Johns writes in Old Russian, the word Baba could refer to a midwife, sorceress, or fortune teller, and the standard modern Russian word for grandmother, babushka, which is derived from it. Baba in modern Russian is also a pejorative term for a woman. The origin and meaning of Yaga is far more obscure and has inspired several different interpretations among linguists, of which the possibilities are disease, Illness, horror, chill, wicked wood nymph, witch, evil woman, rage, fury, anger, torture, pain and worry, serpent, snake, uncle's wife, stepmother, aunt, mother, or personification of suffocating oppression. <laughs> what in the world? These are all possibilities. Nothing is universally agreed upon. So the therefore the uh the direct meaning of Yaga 
uh, doesn't have a like one term meets all kind of thing. So these are just possibilities for any of those. So because of that, the name has generally been uh, understood to just mean grandmother witch, even if it's not a direct translation. So, I mean, this alone, like a lot of the words that's associated with with Baba. Kind no, no, this is, these, or, are, these or, are with Yaga. Yaga. So Baba Yaga. is like old lady grandmother. Okay, Yaga. I mean, a lot of the words are kind of like representation into the crones themselves. Mm-hmm. So, except for uncle's wife. Wait, no, that could mean, yeah, uncle's wife. Okay. Stepmother, See, thing, aunt, mother, or oh, what the? I have, because I have a theory about this, right? And granted, I'm not letting you, but like, there was specifically one that's referred to that, like, it, like, the translation roughly equivocates to, like, like a meaning that means personification of suffocating oppression. As we've already gone over, Baba Yaga is, like, more modern and, like, sometimes even past represented as, like, uh, woman's independence and emancipation mm-hmm. and so like for her to actually mean like like if it means that personification of suffocating oppression suffocating oppression being the patriarchy and man dominating women and like they use this figure as like the representation of like being independent from like men sucking i don't know i feel like that fits really well with like how her representation is, but yeah. you know, I'm not, I'm not a linguist or even a person with that much smarts. But that was just my theory on it. So, <laughs> anyways, um, so although she kidnaps and eats children and seems to go hunting for them throughout the day for her evening meal, Bobby Aya also serves as a catalyst for change. There are a number of tales in which she acts as an agent of transformation, helping the heroine or hero towards self-actualization and the completion of a quest. In these tales, and even in the others where she's depicted as a villain, Baba Yaga epitomizes the mythological trickster archetype. Okay, she's the Russian Loki. Yeah. (laughs) But we uh, move on from that to her other major inspiration or the crone's other major inspiration sorry um which is and i googled it to try and see um so even if i end up saying this wrong i apologize again but i believe the rajanista which are the slavic representation of the three fates so Rajanisti are invisible spirits or deities of fate in the pre-Christian religion of the Slavs. They are related to pregnancy, motherhood, marriage, and female ancestors, and are often referenced together with Rod, which is or Rod, uh, which is the Slavic god of family and ancestors. They are usually mentioned as three together, but sometimes up to nine, of whom one was a queen or singular. So I'm assuming this is kind of where the inspiration of like the Macbeth line comes in. Right. Uh, because uh, a big inspiration for the crones was the three weird sisters in Macbeth. Mm-hmm. And so that line coming into play of like some like three by three to make nine or whatever. I'm assuming that's in reference to this specifically. 
They are related to Dola, but it is not known on what terms. In Poland, they were worshipped as Zorza, uh, which means auroras. Uh, they, uh, in the folklore, they appear, um, or sorry, in the folklore of the Southern Slavs, they are described as beautiful girls or as good-natured elderly women. So, I mean, I guess the crones at sometimes have half of that, I guess. Yeah. I, I don't think they get the good-natured elderly women vibe off. No, personally. no, not at all. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes they are also represented as three women of different ages, a girl, an adult woman, and an elderly woman. Southern Slavs describe them as beautiful figures with white round cheeks. They, well, sorry, I had a thought and I was like, are they talking about like their face cheeks or their ass? <laughs> I'm assuming face. <laughs> who knows? I mean, who knows? Uh, they are said to be dressed in white clothes to have a white cap mob cap on their heads and have silver and gold jewelry in their hands they were said to hold burning candles through which their silhouettes were easily visible in the moonlight which silhouettes of the candles what what, what are you talking about like it's in their, their hands they were said to hold burning candles through which their silhouettes were easily visible in the moonlight. yeah their own silhouette of their like their shadows in the oh i guess because the the light from the back and the light from the front. Yeah. You could, okay. Sorry, my brain was trying to paint a picture and it wasn't <laughs> working. Uh, Czechs described them as white-dressed virgins or old women. They were said to be tall and transparent, their cheeks pale, their eyes apt to sparkle and charm people, and their hair decorated with precious stones. Like the Southern Slavs, they were said to wear white bonnets or veils. Well, I mean, the crone, one crone wears a veil and two have hat like things, so but they're definitely the, not the white. beehive could be a bonnet, you know, like a half bonnet, maybe. Who knows? They're all wearing headwear of some variety, so that's true, kind of, but they're not white at all. Yeah, fair enough. They were said to look after pregnant women. And after giving birth to a child, they determined their fate for the rest of their life. The Rajanisti appeared at midnight three days after the birth of the child at their cradle when they were supposed to foretell the child's good or bad fate for life. After determining the fate of the child, it was saved as an indelible mark on the forehead. The Rajanisti's opinions on the future of the child were often contradictory, and the final oldest parent made the final decision. The first youngest Rajanista spins, the second measures, and the third cuts off the thread of life. The longer the thread, the longer life would be. Among the southern Slavs, Rajanisti were sometimes distinguished from Sujanisti, who were said to appear before death and during important moments in life. So they had like separate entities of fate, one for birth, one for death, okay. which is kind of cool. Rajanisi were sometimes called upon to protect the family from illness. According to sources, the trapezoidal table, and this is, this is where we get into like how they're worshipped, which is kind of just wild. Very interesting. According to sources, the trapezoidal table with bread, honey, cheese, and groat was prepared in honor of the Rajanisti, 
Sometimes the meal was left in the shrines. A child's first haircut was sacrificed to the Rajanisti. So they'd cut off their hair and then, I think, burn it in offering or something, which is wild. Interesting. Uh, Slavs and Croats used to put candles, wine, bread, and salt in the room where the woman lies the day after delivery. Failure to do so threatened that Rajanisti would determine a child's bad fortune. Slovenians living in Istria laid bread of Slovenians living in Istria laid bread under the boulders next to the caves in which Rajanisti were said to live, and in Bulgaria suppers were prepared for them. In Chechia, a table was prepared at which white clothes and chairs were waiting for the Rajanisti, along with a chair on which bread, salt, and butter were laid, and sometimes cheese and beer. One of Rode and the Rajanisti's holidays was said to be December 26th, which after Christianization was replaced by the Orthodox Church with the Feast of the Mother of God. The Rajanisti were said to live at the end of the world in the Palace of the Sun, which would connect them to the solar deity. And obviously there are many similarities in representation of these figures uh, with other European uh, mythologies, uh, such as the Roman Parse, Greek Morae, or Morai, Norse Norns, uh, the Celtic goddess Brigid, uh, and three persons or three matries, and the Baltic Lema, who sometimes appeared in three forms. Interesting. I mean, when you see, when I see crones and when you speak of fate, my mind strictly goes to like the Norse mythology of the three fates, mm. and then also Greek mythology. Norns. Because yeah. if anybody was a kid watching Hercules, you see the three fates, literally spreading the 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 thread of destiny and all that. Yeah, I mean, I was I was a Percy Jackson kid, so and that too. Like, I, and I was, I think I was obsessed with Greek mythology before I even read those books, but then I heard about them. I was like, oh yeah, no, they're, they're in there too. I mean, we see them in so many, uh, what is it? Clash of the Titans. I think he goes and visits mm-hmm. the, the three fates as well. What, and specifically I will note, um, and like, I know that Rick Riordan did his, uh, research like heavily on a lot of these things or whatever, but specifically, in the first Percy Jackson book, he does like they stop at a bus stop and he sees the three old ladies on a bench weaving uh, like a like a big sock, and they specifically turn, look at him, and like pull out a thread and then cut it. Which is like this part where specifically one uh, pulled out the thread, one measured and one cut, and it's like. And it was basically, yeah, how long the length of the thread was how long you were expecting your life to be. Like, mm-hmm. it's the same concept for Greek mythology as well. So, I just think it's cool. Yeah. So, uh, there you have it for the crones. Uh, creepy, scary beans, and they say they're, it says they're unkillable, but they can die. Just given, yeah. you know, enough steel is it steel i mean siri uses steel 
to fight them. Oh yeah, because she her uh, Zarel is uh, her only blade, and that's steel. Yeah, well, she's a lady of space and time. She can do anything. I guess that's true. She, she has magic anything. space powers. She's a yeah, Jedi. So. Yeah, so she's fine. <laughs> right. So yeah, there there you have it. Um, and then you know next week is our patron chat where our patrons do choose the topic. So if you want to join us next week, go to patreon.com and sign up because it's going to be a lot of chaotic fun. It normally is. It's probably going to be interesting. That's for sure. Yeah, very much so. So, um, and before we end the show, Toasty, what other stuff are you doing? Uh, I'll, I do the cyberpunk lore cast with my co-host Genesis. I talk about everything cyberpunk as well as the cyberpunk red live play podcast, cyberpunk, cyberpunk apostrophe D that I do with the fumbling for and I'll made a crit game. Yeah. And then, you know, I do this show as well as my three other shows, the holocron histories, the final fantasy lore cast and the wizarding world lore cast all part of the robots radio network so go there check out the discord check out the website you can find all the shows on there um so yeah we will see everybody next week and stay safe on the path yeah <laughs> so i'm i used to until then and i was like Whoa. oh well Threw me off. there you have it Thank you for listening to the Witcher Lorecast. You can find us on the Robots Radio Discord at robotsradio.net. You can find us on the Ben and Friends Podcasting Discord, where you can share your thoughts, comments, or even experiences with the Witcher lore. You can also find us on Twitter at Witcher Lorecast. <laughs>